The story starts early. Real estate magnate and former Philadelphia City Councilman Alan Dom shares his childhood in his early ad for mayor. As a kid, Alan shined shoes, delivered newspapers. I'm Pat Loeb, KYW News Radio City Hall Bureau Chief and host of the podcast, Who's Running for Philly Mayor? In this episode, I speak with Alan Dom. And went on to build a successful business of his own. This ad, in just seconds, takes us from his humble roots to his self-made millions in real estate. So I thought we'd start there with, how do you do that? Thank you so much for coming today. Oh, my pleasure. The first thing that I wanted to ask you is, you come from a working class background, you work really hard, and then you become a a self-made millionaire in real estate. What does it take to do that? Drive. We want to start talking now? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I would say the it's the drive that really motivates you and setting goals. And I will also say that my parents, who are my tremendous mentors, had a very strong work ethic that they taught my brother and I. But a lot of people have, or most people I think have a work ethic. Lots are willing to work really hard. They don't get to be the condo king. What besides the traits that, a lot of people have, did you have that made the difference? So, you know, I always lived on less than I made. I always saved before I spent. And so in 1976, when I came here, I was making 15,000 a year and I tripled the business of the time lock company from like a 223 gross to over 670,000. The owners were 82 and 80 and they gave me a $10 a week raise. Okay. $10 a week. So I said, this is not going to work out well. Um, so I heard a guy on the radio, Jay Lamont, back at the end of 78, was on the radio talking about Temple's Real Estate Institute. So I said, you know, I always like real estate. I'm going to go get my real estate license. So I did that in 79. Started working in January of 1980, but I kept two full-time jobs. I'd go into the real estate office at 6.30 in the morning till 8.30, go back to my full-time job from 8.30 till 6. By lunch hour, I'd return calls for the real estate of buyers and sellers. And then from 6.30 to 10.30 at night, I'd work in real estate. So I was really working a good seven hours a day in real estate, and the rest was in the time lock job. I did that Monday through Thursday. Fridays, I'd stop at 8 o'clock. And then Saturday, Sundays, I'd work a lot less. I'd work from like 9 in the morning till 7 at night, 10 hours a day. And those were tough years in real estate. Interest rates hit 21%. I mean, compared to today, three times today's rates. They were tough years. Uh, went into real estate full-time in 1983. But here's the lesson I think I learned. So in 1980, I made 15.5 at the time lock company, I made $34,000 in real estate and I lived on the 15.5 and I invested the 34,000. And every year I would try to, that was three years I lived, forced myself to live on the 15.5 and invested the rest. And then I also invested in a way that forced me to have to write a check every month because I invested in 15 year mortgages. I always would take 15 year mortgages, which accelerates the payments, but you pay it off in half the time. I'm a big believer in that, even though everyone in real estate says, take a longer term and spread it out. I wanted to pay off the debt. So what helped me was in 1995, 96, and 97, after I'd bought a few you know, small studios and one bedrooms, those mortgages started to pay off. I had more cash flow, and what I did with it was reinvest it. And then at some point, you felt like you'd done your taste work in real estate. You decided to get your second full-time job in politics. Now, you've said you really wanted to run for mayor, but you were kind of advised to start with city council. And it was because you wanted to contribute to the city. I'll tell you the story there. Um, In 2015, because I had done some work for uh, 
Council President Clark. He asked me to go look at all the vacant um, school buildings at the time. They were going to sell them and ask for some ideas on what to do with them. And I did a whole report on it. And I thought we could really be creative because many of those schools I felt had value. And so my suggestions were instead of selling the school, let's hire an architect to find out the highest and best use. Then let's have that district council person rezone it, and then we'll sell it. So the city benefits and gets the money versus a developer, which we could have saved tens of millions of dollars that way, made more money. It didn't happen, of course, whatever reason, but they sold the schools. But I felt like, wow, there's some ideas I can help the city with that really could make a difference. And so in 15, I sat down with a political expert, Neil Oxman, who said to me, I'm not going to say the word he said to me, but I'll just say that he said, Alan, you want to run for mayor? You have no idea what that's like. Government is very different than private sector, very different. He said, you know, you want to be a heart doctor, but you've never done any surgeries and you've never even gone to medical school. And when he said it like that, I said, wow, he's got a good point. He said, if you're really interested, go serve in council and learn, learn about government. It's different than the private sector. And so I ran for council and he was 110% right. It is very different, very different. In fact, when you came in, you had uh, an idea that you wanted to monetize the city's uh, delinquent taxes. And that was something that you pushed really hard for and worked on really hard. Let me but tell you about that happen. idea. Okay, so let me tell you about that. I wanted to collect delinquent taxes. I, re- I, re- I was there. I right. remember. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Our collection rate was 89%. And the majority of the delinquency were landlords, many who didn't live in Philadelphia. Many were from New York, and we weren't collecting 11% of our real estate taxes. So we tried the one program to securitize the debt. That didn't work out. Then I worked with the Revenue Commissioner and Francis Beckley in the law department, Mm -hmm. and we came up with this program called sequestration, which worked like a charm. Yeah, I think that was already in process. It was in process, but we advanced it dramatically. Then you, I, I remember one of your next big projects was getting more people to take the EITC, right. the Earned Income Tax Credit, which is a federal anti-poverty program that rebates money to people below a certain income level. You worked really hard on that. Again, it was a big campaign. And today, four out of five Philadelphians don't take the EITC. Well, let me say this, the on the EITC... I passed some legislation around that, and we actually did get more people to take advantage of it. We made a dent, not a big enough dent. But right before I left council, I did pass some legislation requiring the administration to have all payroll service companies and employers with over 20 employees to provide notification about the wage tax bill I passed that does provide 60,000 families, 200,000 people refunds of eight hundred dollars to $1,000, and the earned income tax credit, and any other local, state, or federal benefit when they get their W-2s at the end of the year. You also wanted to save the city money on the police administration building. Why didn't that happen? What? So first of all, here's what happened. The purchaser of the building paid between 20 and $25 million. And then four or five years later, I get called to a meeting saying we're paying $90 million for the building, the Inquirer building. And I said, first of all, we already invested $52 million of hard costs at 46 at market and another $40 million or so of financing costs and interest payments and so forth, almost $100 million close to it. Why are we making the switch? Well, the administration, whatever, wants to make the switch. I said, okay, well, can you show me the appraisal that shows the value of $90 million? And the administration said, oh, we don't have an appraisal. I said, you don't have an appraisal? 
You're paying $90 million and you don't have an appraisal? You buy a $150,000 row home, you need an appraisal. How could we possibly be? It was insane. Insane. How could we pay $90 million without an appraisal? So we don't have one. So I said, look, I don't think it's worth ninety. No one can justify this price if the seller paid twenty to $25 million, how it's worth four or five years later, $90 million. This is ridiculous. I said, it's probably worth 35 to 40 on a good day. Anyway, negotiations went back and forth. I was involved in them with the seller, and the city really wanted the, the building. I felt if we had taken a harder stance, we could have paid less, but I did save the city $10 million, and I did um, negotiate a mortgage of 2.75 fixed for 19 years, fully amortizing, which the city, in its wisdom, did not take. Now just Let me just crystallize that. 2.75 fixed for 19 years, fully amortizing. Today, that mortgage is probably 6% or 5%. It's cost us double the cost. I don't, you know, those types of decisions are not smart. And you need someone who's willing to say, I'm doing this for the long term, not to get to to the next election. This was so that, you know, in 19 years, I probably won't be here. And, you know, in government, hopefully I'll be alive. But at least the police building will be paid off. And we can leave to our children and grandchildren a property that's paid off free and clear with smart financing. But it didn't happen. So you had at least three major goals and you pursued them really hard, but you couldn't push them through. Why do you think you'll be able to make things happen as mayor? You know, here's the difference. When you're on council, you're in a legislative body. You can legislate all you want. It's up to the executive branch to carry out that legislation. And when the executive branch doesn't carry it out, there's nothing you can really do as a council member. As the mayor, you can. But you've seen how hard it is to get things done in government. And you've made some pretty big promises. Getting rid of abandoned cars, right? There's a viral video about what a great idea that is. Alan Dom said that he was going to take care of the abandoned vehicles strewn throughout the streets of Philadelphia. (laughs) He said we're going to handle them, quote, in a reasonable time frame. That's the craziest ad I've ever seen. Because it was so reasonable. It was too reasonable. It was was suspiciously reasonable. But the current administration wants to get rid of abandoned cars, and they've tried. But, you, you know, people compare government to turning the battleship. You don't turn a battleship on a dime. What in your record says you'll be able to get it done? I can give you an example of that. During the pandemic, you know, in April of 2020, about a month after the pandemic occurred, almost every business was like shut down, except we saw that lawyers were doing well because people had problems calling their lawyers. Life sciences continued to boom. Technology boomed. And look, real estate was shut down, but we knew it would come back. But what got crushed was hospitality. Got crushed. Hotels, gyms, and restaurants were shut down with no hope in sight, no light at the end of the tunnel. So towards middle to late April, I called a Zoom, invited all my colleagues on council. Many of them joined me. And we had over 100, 125, or even up to 150, it could have been, hotels and restaurants and gyms on Zoom calls, several of them. And I said to them, look, this is you're getting crushed. What can we do as a government to help you and have you survive? Because keep in mind, the hotel employees in our city, 80% live in Philadelphia. There's our Philadelphia residents. And in the restaurant hospitality industry, it's 90% live in the city. So we passed the outdoor dining, which was a lifeline to all these restaurants and provided probably some of the only fun people had during the pandemic was going to eat outside. There was not a lot of fun going on in the city. And I say that because cities have to be fun. Otherwise, people won't come here and stay here. They got to be fun. We got to make it safe is number one. That is by far number one, public safety. But they also have to be fun. 
862 restaurants applied, and I learned something from the legislation. I put in the legislation that the city had to approve the applications in three days. And to the city's credit, they approved 862 applications in three days. It was amazing. But I learned the lesson of putting in a time frame in legislation, and I also learned the lesson that all of the applications, permits, everything we do in the city should have a time frame so the public knows what, what to expect. A lot of things happened really quickly, uncharacteristically quickly during the pandemic. That was one of them. Um, but going back to abandoned cars, it's not a pandemic. It's a problem. I mean, have you done a cost-benefit analysis yeah. of removing all those well, cars? Well, let me just say this. It starts with ticketing the abandoned cars. And once you ticket them within 48 hours, we can get them towed. And look, I would sit down with the PP, you know, parking authority, the PPA. I would sit down with other people and say, look, what's the goal here? We want to get these cars off the, off the street in 48 hours once they're ticketed. How can you help us do this? Here's the solution. and Let's go forward. Clean streets, another big promise. You said you'll go pick up trash yourself. So you really want to be hands-on, not a delegator as mayor. I am very hands-on. You're absolutely right. And I, you know, I published a city services plan that included cleaning the streets, filling the potholes, having a pothole tracker, picking up the garbage on time, having a garbage tracker so you know when the garbage truck's coming to your neighborhood. But look, I think this is everyone, everyone needs to help us. This is a total city effort. We have a million six people. I will ask every person. I do this myself. Every day I pick up one, two, or three pieces of trash that I see on the street. Every day. And I will ask every citizen of the city to help me. Have pride in the city and pick it up. You know, I carry a sanitizer with me. So after I pick up the trash, I clean my hands, no problem. But if everyone had that goal, you know, my grandmother instilled that in me. She said, cleanliness is next to godliness. If everyone had that goal of having our city clean and having the pride, it starts with the mayor and starts with the government, starts with our administration. That's across the board. And you're right. I am very hands-on. I'm very hands-on. Okay. Not a delegator. I, I can delegate. And here's how I work. I set the goal. And then I, I have the person who can achieve that goal. And if they're competent, I'm totally hands off and just hold them to be accountable. But I want to make sure that they can be accountable and reach the goal. Now, in, my, in the private sector, you can ask any of my people. I don't get involved at all. Once I know they're competent, they can, I have people who make decisions for me without even asking me because I know they're competent. Okay. But my big, biggest asset, I believe, is knowing that I am never the smartest person in the room. And there are a lot smarter people in government and outside of government who can help us and want to help us. And we need to ask them for their help. If it turns out you're not the nominee after the primary, what happens? Will you go back to real estate or is there another office you're interested in? And I haven't really thought about that. And I haven't thought about it because I'm putting 110% into running for mayor. And I'm doing that because I came here with nothing. I invested in the city. city invested in me. And Philadelphia was amazingly good to me, amazingly good. And I just want to give back to the city. You know, I, I live by this quote from Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And at this point in my life, I just want to help Philadelphia. And it, it's, it's my goal to do whatever I can to help our city. Thank you so much for coming in today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Alan Dom is a real estate magnate who became a city councilman, donated his salary to public schools, then resigned to run for mayor and ended up in an 11-way race for the Democratic nomination. And a special thanks to Alex Perlman for finding humor in the mayor's race. 
We're talking to the leading candidates in our podcast series, Who's Running for Philly Mayor. Next up, Sherelle Parker. She explains why she wasn't part of City Council's progressive block before she resigned to run. Because my entire life had to operate at the intersection of both race and gender as a black woman, I've been very intentional about never allowing anyone to put me in a box. I'm KYW News Radio City Hall Bureau Chief Pat Loeb. Keep listening on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend. Thanks.